All right, so my father was a preacher, for those of you who don't know, and, and he was what I would call the king of the old preacher story. And what old preacher stories are, they're like the dad jokes of church on Sunday morning. Right? They're, they're awful, right? And he was the king of these cheesy stories. And here is one of those cheesy stories. All right, one preacher uh, story that he used to tell went like this. He says, a couple came into a certain pastor. Now, he would always clarify, and he would say, it wasn't me, it's not me. And I'm going to clarify that as well. This was not me. This story didn't happen to me. It's just one of those, those stories. All right, so he said, a couple would come in to see a certain pastor, and the, the man was particularly concerned about the wife's attitude. He had tried all that he knew to make his wife happy but nothing seemed to work. And so they came in, and the pastor, he couldn't do anything either. The, this lady, the wife, she was just totally unresponsive. After half an hour of getting absolutely nowhere, the pastor jumped up, he pulled the woman out of her chair, he put her arms around her, and he laid a big old smooch right on her lips. I gave her a big old kiss, and then he turned to the husband, and he said, that's all your wife needs, about three times a week. And the, the husband said, oh, man. Right? He turned his head down, and he said, oh, man, I can only bring her in on Thursday. Right? I told you, right? Bad, bad, right? The dad jokes of the church. And my father was the worst at those. Right, today we're going to talk about marriage and its problems. Now listen, before you zoom out and you think, man, this, this, is, this has nothing to do with me. I'm not married, or, or uh, I, I've been married, I'm a widower or a widow now, or, or I've tried that, it wasn't successful, and I'm way past that. Listen, this is still for you. Right? Well, what is our mission here at the Foundry? It's to guide people to forge a lifelong reliance on God, and it's guiding ourselves, yes, but it's also guiding others. And so we will have friends, we will have uh, people in our family, we'll have uh, people in our community, we'll have our, our children who are going to need to know these lessons, right? Even so, if this doesn't apply for you right here, right now, you can use it as you fulfill the Great Commission, right? To go out and make disciples of all nations, and that's the same thing here. All right, so the question is, is why do marriages all seem to start off so well, and then, well, sometimes they just end up not so well, right? I, I've been a pastor for quite a long time now, and I've done my fair share of wedding ceremonies, and do you know that not one single couple has ever come to me and said, hey, Andrew, our greatest desire in life is to have a horrible, miserable marriage. I've never been asked that. They never have come to me and said, well, will you please tell us how we can live in real misery from here on out? No one says that. But some end up that way. Maybe your marriage is feeling pretty miserable right now. Maybe that's why you're here. You got married with the best intentions, or you know of a, a marriage that's out there. Maybe in your family there was best intentions, and now, well, things, they're just not that great. And when we, we look at our marriages, 
All right, it's, it's easy to think that the answers lie in our ability to somehow, in our own ability to somehow unravel all the details of what is happening in our relationship and who is causing all of those issues. Right? That, that's the tension I'm talking about. Like, who spent too much money? Right? Who, who didn't show up on time? Or, or who's always tired for, you know, right? right? Whoever, uh, who never helps around the house? Who, who doesn't understand me? And that causes tension. And, and we're asking those questions. We almost never answer with what? Our own name. Right? Think, think, think about our relationships. Right? I, I don't spend too much money. Right, Christina? Right? She's the saver, I'm the spender. Right? I don't spend too much money. I'm never late. I always help around the house. Right? I'm never too tired for you, no. And then we start to ask one of the most dangerous questions in any relationship, and that's this. It's, what if? Are, are we tracking? Right? What if I had married another woman? What if, what if I had more money? Or, or, or what if uh, we didn't have five children in four years? Or what if we did have children? And, and, and what we start doing is we start dreaming up how things could be better when all we do is do the what if game. Right, how our marriage would be great if we made that more money. If uh, Our marriage would be great if we had more sex. Our, our marriage would be great if we had kids or if we didn't have kids. Our marriage would be great if, we, if one person would just listen to me and we would be okay. And then we start to fall in with a dream when that happens. Right? A, a fictional relationship that is certainly better than the misery that we're living right now. Right? But, but here's the thing, Foundry Church. Each morning we'll wake up and that dream is just shattered when the dishes aren't done or our bank account is too low or the, the kids are driving us crazy. And as the, the dream is shattered... So are we. We, we. we don't know what way is up or down. And so we find, ourselves, we find ourselves yelling out to God, why? Why, God? Why would you let me marry this person? Right? They're a jerk. They're an idiot. Why, God, would you let me marry this person? They've changed so much from when we first got married. God, don't you want me to be happy? God, don't. Don't you want all things for my good? God, don't you want me to have more and more and more? God, how could you possibly want this marriage for me? There has to be something better out there is what we start to think. And we tried and we're frustrated because we don't know what to do. I mean, our marriage used to work. And so we think, oh, why God, what happened? And can we make it work again? Again, that's, that's the tension that we're dealing with. Or maybe your marriage has never felt like it was working, but you think maybe it could if we could just do the right things or accomplish the right tasks, or if I could just get my spouse to do the right thing. I know some of you just all kind of look at your spouse. 
All right, don't do that, right? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. All right, listen, marriage is hard. Just the way it is. If you're married, you know that. If you've been married, you know that. If someday you might possibly be married, just understand that. Marriage is hard, even on the good days. So when we find ourselves crying out to God, why God, he hears us and he has the answer. And here's the thing, Foundry Church. It's not an easy answer. It's just not. But, but as we peel the onion of how to make our marriage work, I believe with all that I have that if we're willing to do this hard thing, if we're willing to put the hammer down to the anvil right, and forge it, and forge ahead, we can, with God's help, redeem any marriage. Now, let me just take a two-second zoom out, all right? Just a, two seconds here. I'm not talking about an abusive relationship, right? If, if you are being physically, sexually abused, there's no place for that, right? That's where you need to get help, right? right? But we're talking about the, the daily grind, the struggle, the, just the marriage, Right? So let me dive in into the deep end and let's figure this out. We're going to start in the book of Luke today and we'll be in the sixth chapter. Now, if you have your Bibles, turn there, Luke chapter six. But if you don't have a Bible, as always, please use the Bibles that are in the seats in front of you and you can take those Bibles with you. They are free for you to have, to use, to take, to give away. Luke chapter six, uh, verse 32 is where we're going to be. Go ahead and turn there. All right, Luke chapter 6, verses 32 through 34. All right? I'm going to read this here for us. I'm going to read on the New Living Translation. It says, if you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? This is Jesus speaking. Right? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Keep your finger right there. Right? Because here is what the biggest issue in all of our marriages is. Right? It's right here in Luke. Right? I think if we take every problem that we came in here with, and we all have them in our marriage, and if you're not married again, you will have them, right? it can be summed up by this one idea right here. We have failed to find the difference between human love and the love of God. All right, I'm going to unpack that in a minute, but listen, right? really take hold of this. Right? We have failed... As humans, as mankind in our world, right, to find the difference between our human love and the love of God. You see, we have found ourselves in these marriages, in these moments where our spouse is pretty unlovable. Right, let, let's just be honest. Right, sometimes they just stink. Right, right, physically and emotionally. No, I'm just kidding. Right, sometimes it's just awful. Right? It's just, uh, just hard. It's a little things sometimes. It's like if they leave the dishes in the sink one more time, or, or the laundry next to the hamper, or, or the cabinet door open just one more time. All things that I think I probably do that drive Christina nuts. Right? Then, then she just might kill me, she's probably thinking. Or it might be bigger issues, and we have them, right? 
These big things in our marriages that are just pulling us apart or, or are just pulling us, or not necessarily pulling us together, but catapulting us together head to head. But here, in the moment when Jesus gives us his longest uninterrupted instructions, this, this discourse that we were just a part of, he tells us that when things aren't great, when things are falling apart, when you don't think you can even look at your spouse again, right? Just people, right? Well, that is when we're supposed to love them the most. It's interesting, isn't it? If we don't, well, then we're just like everybody else in the world, he says. <laughs> I love how the message paraphrase of this passage puts it, and I'm going to read this for you. It says this, if you only love the lovable, do you expect a pat on the back? Run-of-the-mill sinners do that. If you only help those who help you, do you expect a medal? <laughs> right? Right? Garden variety sinners do that. If you only give for what you hope to get out of it, do you think that's charity? The stingiest of pawnbrokers does that as well. Right, of course, we can usually think about marriage being great at the beginning. Everyone is on their best behavior. Do you, do you expect a pat on the back for loving your wife then, right? But when things get tough, are you still loving them? What, what are you doing when the going gets tough? Or are you just like every other garden variety sinner, it says? Because look, going back to that first statement, right? Human love depends on the person who is loved. Right? Human love depends on the person who is loved. You do good to those who do good to you. You do a favor for someone who's done a favor for you. As long as she is nice to you, you're nice to her. That's human love. That's where we start to make this mistake, right? Human love is that attitude or that feeling it is easy to get into and even easier to get out of. The problem is, right, again, that we've mistaken human love with God's love. The problem is that human love is not strong enough to weather any storm of any relationship, let alone a covenant marriage that we have made with our significant other. Right? Human love says, as long as you stimulate me, as long as I can be proud of you, as long as you're beautiful, I can love you. If you change my love for you, it changes. It's all about the other person. But God, right? But God, as in all things, he wants what? He wants more for us. He wants more for us, right? He, he wants us to stop looking at our spouse or our circumstances or everywhere around us to find a problem. He wants us to stop complaining, right? God wants us to look at how we are loving. He wants us to look within, and he wants us to stop loving like humans, again, that tension, and start loving like him, with God's love. Right? After all, right, we, we forge our life on him. We forge a lifelong reliance on God. And that means when we do that, that we are a new creation. We have a new identity. We have a new way, a new lens through which we look at life. Right? Look, let's just look at the next two verses of Luke chapter 6, and we'll see what he means. Go ahead and look there in your Bibles, right? 
And, and it's important to use those Bibles that are in the seats there. And again, take those with you because I don't want you to take my word for it. Read God's word for it, for, for yourself, right? So the next two verses, verses 35 through 36, says this. Love your, what does it say? Enemies. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. Hey, listen. He said, love your enemies. Love when it is hard and difficult and messy or almost impossible. I once heard a story about a, a woman and her husband who came to a pastor and said, hey, we're going to get a divorce, pastor, but we want to come to you and we just want to make sure that you approve of it. All right, there are, are people who come to the pastor and, and they're hoping that the pastor will say, ah, yeah, if there's no feelings left in the marriage, no more sparks, then then you should just go, right? You should just split. Right? That's what they're hoping. But instead, the, the pastor says to the husband in this case, he says, the Bible says that you are to love your wife as Jesus Christ has loved the church. And the husband says, okay, I just can't do that. I just can't do that. That's just too much for me to do. And so the pastor said, well, if you can't begin at that level, right, maybe, maybe just take it down just one step, a half a step. Right? You're supposed to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so he says to the, the husband, the pastor does, he says, can you love your spouse, your wife, as you love your neighbor? And the husband said, oh, no. No, it's just too, it's a too high of a level. So the pastor says, all right, all right that's fine, because the Bible says love your enemies. Begin there. Right? Sometimes we look at our spouse and they feel like the enemy. They, they just do, right? And we look at our spouse, and they feel like they're the enemy, and Jesus says, love them anyways. That is the love of God, right? The, the love of God is not about what a person can do for us, like human love, right? It's not about what, what a person can do for us. The love of God, it has, it's what we can do for them, right? The love of God is not about, uh, about what, what our spouse can do, good, bad, or the ugly, or has done for us, or might do for us in the future, right? Look at this. The love of God does not depend on the one who is loved. The love of God is based only on the lover, based on us, and our attitude, and our actions, right? The, the love of God says to our spouse, you are driving me crazy, <clears throat> Christina. You're driving me crazy, but I will love you anyways. And more than that, I will bless you. I will pray for you. I will do good for you. Now, let me, let me zoom out here for a second. And let me just talk real quickly to the men for a minute. Right? There's a verse in the book of Ephesians that says this. All right, Ephesians chapter 5. You can look it up and circle it. You should circle it and read it occasionally. I'm going to read it for you here real quick. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. All right, husbands, right? Men, guys, if you're going to be married someday, even, right? Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. This is the kind of love that God is talking about here, that Jesus 
is talking about here in Luke. It's the kind of love that would sacrifice everything for your spouse. It's the kind of love that does the hard thing, that does the difficult thing, no matter what. It's the kind of love that says, I may not need this, but you need it. And I put your needs and your desires above my own. Listen, men, right? Many, many husbands think of themselves as kings to be served. But you and I are called by God to be a king who's the chief servant. The chief servant in our homes. Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. And that is our call as husbands. Sometimes that looks like doing the dishes. Sometimes that looks like putting the kids to bed. Sometimes that looks like putting your phone down and just listening to her day. Sometimes that's doing the difficult thing and leading your family. Whatever it looks like, loving your wives like Christ loved the church is a call to stand in the gap between the world and our home. It's a call to do what Jesus did. Right? Sometimes I, and when I always do these sermons on Ephesians or something, I post a picture. There's this funny meme that went around a while back and it says, you, you know you truly love her when you would eat this. And it's a sandwich made with like the butts of the bread because that's all that was left and there's like there's like one little like half slice of meat and like all right and then she's eating like a big old like a jersey mike sub and like he's eating this little crappy little what jesus would do all right all right jesus came to restore not to condemn and that is our call as husbands jesus came to pursue to pursue us, and that is our call as husbands. Jesus will never leave us, and that is our call as husbands. Now, for everybody, listen, the love of God is not a passive love that says, give me everything that you've got while I sit on my phone and never interact with you. The love of God says, let me wash your feet like Jesus did for the disciples. Let me wash our children's feet and serve them and, and stand in the gap between the world and our home for them. And show them what it means to forge a lifelong reliance on God. And do whatever it takes to show you that Jesus, what he did for his bride, the church. How do we do all of this, church? How, how do we do this? Well, it comes down to one more verse. And this one is found in the book of Mark. So if you have your Bibles, you're going to want to look at this one. It's in other places. It's also in Matthew chapter 22. Uh, but we can read it here in the Gospel of Mark is where we're going to read it from today. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. This is how we do it, all right? This is it. All right? This is my number one marriage advice when I, when I talk with, with couples who are wanting to get married. Mark chapter 12, verse 28 through 31. It says, one of the teachers of the religious law, they thought they were high and mighty. They were trying to trick Jesus, right? So one of the teachers of religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered pretty good. He answered well. And so he asked, of all the commandments, right? So he's talking, of all the stuff in the Old Testament, all, right, all the Old Testament, what is the most important? And Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with what? All your heart and all your soul, all your mind and all of your strength. 
The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. Right now, we could, we could talk forever and have done sermon series on just those two verses. Right? And about the power of these verses, not just in our marriage, but in every aspect of our lives. But I want to make one simple, but I believe very powerful observation. Right? And notice in these verses, in order which Jesus commands us to love, right? he summed up the entire Old Testament, all the prophets, all the writings of Moses with this. Right? And notice in which Jesus commands us to love. As much as he wants us to love other people, our spouses included, the only way that we can love with the love of God is what? To love God first. To love God first. Now, I get it. Right? You're thinking, okay, Andrew, well, that was a really churchy answer to life's problems. That's pretty churchy, right? It's football season started this, this weekend. That's kind of like a Jesus juke, right? You just juked me out of my You just, right? But listen, how can you love someone best by, by loving someone else the most? That's, that's what we're thinking. Well, the reason we will love others best when we love God most is that love in its truest, purest form only comes from the creator, our God, because God is love. God is love, right? In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 through 8, write this down if you're taking notes and read this later today, but it says this, it says, Behold, let us love one another, for love is from God, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever love loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because again, right, what does it say? God is love. Love is a fundamental part of his nature. We are only able to love him or anyone else because he first loved us. It's what we just celebrated when we took communion. The only reason we can gather each week and say, I live for you, God. I forge my life on you, God. It's because of what your love has done for me. Your love for me that sent you to the cross in my place. Right? Love is a fundamental part of his nature. We're only able to love because he first loved us. Our church, that's huge. We're only able to give freely to others what we have received freely from him. We cannot give something we do not have. You just can't do it. So if we do not love God first, we're not able to give the gift of love to our spouse. The gift of love in any relationship. Loving God empowers us to love others. And specifically... When we're in the series, right? Why God? Specifically to our marriages, right? Loving God empowers us to love our spouse in ways that we can never love them on our own. Quite simply, right? Connection with God makes us better spouses. Things can come out of us that, that can surprise us even, right? Because of, of what God has done for us and for me, I can love Christina and it surprises me that I can be that lovable, no, I'm just kidding. that I can love her, right? 
These things are listed in in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 23. Because because we love like God loves, not with human love, that means if we're forging our life on God, if, if if we love like him, there's a love that is in us. The power of his spirit is at work within us. Right? And, and we're, we're moved to do what it, it says in Galatians chapter 5, to bear fruit. Right? And these fruits are things like, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So when we connect with God as an individual, when we're saying, God, above all, first of all, I love you. I forge my life on you. We can have this, this love, like we're talking about, but we can also have joy and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control in our lives, going out into our relationship, right? When we connect with God as an individual, these things start to flow out of us little by little, situation by situation. And and those feelings that we have of, of bitterness in our marriage, or betrayal in our marriage, or frustration in our marriage, they'll slowly start to dissipate they'll slowly start to wander. Not not overnight, but little by little, loving God first will bring about a change in you and a change in how you treat your spouse. And little by little, it will change the way that you react to situations and the way that they react to you in those situations. Right, so church, here's, here's the truth right here. How we love our spouse reveals how we first loved God, how we love God. It's just the way it is, right? Our our love for our spouse is an indicator of the place that God is holding in our hearts, right? And I get that this is going to be a a tough teaching right here, right? Because it's kind of like, oh, not me, right? But it is, right? If if we are, are out and about and we're complaining about our spouse, throwing them under the bus, dogging them, well, maybe we need to take some time to reconnect with our first love, God. Right? If we're constantly yelling at or seeing the worst in our spouse, well, maybe we need to take some time to reconnect with our first love, God. If we're thinking about abandoning our spouse because it's not fun anymore, right? There's, there's no sparks anymore. Well, maybe we need to take some time to reconnect with our first love, God. Right, maybe we need to trade in our, our human love for the love of God and take some time to reconnect with our first love, God. Get that foundation right. But, but, but what do I mean by connecting with God? What do we mean by that? Well, for me, it's, it's daily disciplines. I, I connect with God by, by reading about God and his word, by, by studying about God, praying, Right? reading uh, different commentaries and, and books, listening to podcasts, right? For my wife, Christina, she writes her prayers. She journals them out, right? And if I'm completely honest, the times that Christina and I have struggled in our marriage, well, they've been times where one or both of us have started to forget about our first love, and we neglected that. And so then we have lost our connection as a couple. But, but what about you? Right, that's the question. How are you going to take this information and put it into action? Because information without some kind of action or transformation is just pointless. It's stupid. Right? We're wasting our time if we don't do something with it. So how do you love God first? I mean, maybe you don't know. Maybe you're not there yet, and that's okay. But I want to encourage you 
to take one step toward connecting to God. Right? This week, I want to challenge you to take one step toward loving God first and see that it makes a difference in your marriage, because it will. And so as I invite the band to come back up here, here are just a few ideas that might get you thinking, but please don't be limited by these. Right? Pray as you're getting ready in the morning. It's a way to connect with God, right? Pray as you just... As you're getting ready, as you're putting your shirt on, you're, you know, shaving, right, whatever. I don't shave, right? Read one chapter a day from Proverbs for the next 31 days. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. It's the book on wisdom, right? Read one chapter a day, right? Talk to God at night as you're falling asleep. Pray as you, as you get in the bed. Pray before you walk into your home at the end of the day, right? Just you know, as, as a reminder, when you touch that doorknob, Lord, you're my God. You're holy. You're all-powerful. You're almighty. You're the Lord of lords. I love you. Help me to love. Go inside. Right? And you, can, you can say a prayer for your spouse before talking about something that is bothering you. You can read a few verses in the morning. You can read a few verses at night. Right? Pray while you're, you're riding your motorcycle. There's a, a friend that I have. He says when he rides his motorcycle, he connects with God. I think he's kind of making a joke about that, right? Kind of a scam. He just wants to, you know, like, to his wife, right? It's his excuse to have a motorcycle, right? But invite God into your, your tough moments when you're in discussion, right, with your spouse. Invite God in. God, help me to handle this more like you would. Give me your wisdom. And if you don't know how you feel about God, right, you're still just trying to figure out who God is. You're not, you wouldn't say you're forging your life on him yet. Tell him that on the way to, you know, just on the way to work as you start your day or whatever, just say, God, just help me to know your love. You pray that for a month every day. Just, just that, Lord, help me to know your love. He'll show you what it means to forge a lifelong reliance on him, right? Tell him these things. If you don't know where to start, just say, God, show me. And because he loves you, he will show you his love and how you can love like him, right? So the bottom line is this, right? Take a look. The bottom line is this. The most important question to ask is not what makes my marriage work, but who, who, Foundry Church, makes my marriage work? And I'm the type of guy who thinks I can do it all, right? I'm the type of guy who thinks I can do it all. And, and really, I think, oh, there's a problem. I can fix it. I can handle it. But I've been married long enough to know that it's not. I can't. I can't do it in my power. It has to be my Lord's power. Tim. It's him who I forged my life on. I can only love and, and accomplish this covenant that I made because of who he is and how he loves me. So it's the most important question that we can ask is not what makes our marriage work or what they can do or what I can do or what we can do. It's about who makes my marriage work and how I'm pursuing that relationship first as the foundation. Because when we love God first in whatever aspect of where we are in relationships, it empowers us to love our spouse, our future spouse, 
to just to love our friends, our community, our neighbors, our enemies in a way that we could never love them on our own. So whatever you decide, whatever you decide to do, whatever works for you to connect with God, I encourage you to start to establish the most important habit for your marriage, which is to love God first. I know, I know that sounds like a simple churchy answer.